You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. How are we doing? Man, it's good to see y'all. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, so look at your neighbor. Just look at him. Don't touch him, okay? Just you know, don't touch, but just look at him and just smile with your eyes. Get, actually, give him a big smile. Just smile. You can even say something to him like, I'm so glad you're sitting with me. I mean, even in your living room right now, just look at whoever you're sitting with and just look at them. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're sitting with me. Thank you. Thank you. Are y'all ready to hear from the Word tonight? And we're starting a new series, and I'm excited about it because one of the things that, that my role is as your pastor is this, I, I, is to lead you and feed you. And that's my primary responsibility, to lead you to, to pastures where, where you can be fed, and my primary way of feeding you is the Word of God. And, and right now, we're starting a, a season of, 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 of love, right? It's Valentine's Month, and next week, next Sunday is Valentine's Day, and so you better be getting your candies and your roses ordered and all your good stuff, you know, start, start working on those brownie points now, boys, and um, get ahead of the game so you are not at the last hour trying to find that one Valentine's Day card that's left. Uh, but uh, one of the things that, that this month does, it just really highlights relationships, honestly, because um, relationships are a challenge. Any relationship. But when we, look at, when we look at our marital relationships, when we look at dating relationships, they are just, they're challenging, they're difficult, and honestly, right now, there, there are so many marriages in, in, in jeopardy. The amount of prayer requests that we receive right now is, is inordinately high for marital issues. I mean, it, it, every week, that is what is trumping everything right now. And, and, and here's the deal. I, I know quarantine can make you stronger or it can make you, it can drive you apart. And, and right now, we're seeing the effects of, of things, really of, of seeds that have been planted in relationships that are, that are bringing some challenges and we need some help. And the Bible has a great source for that. The Bible is the authority on truth and the Bible is the authority on how we live our life. And we've started a new series this weekend called SOS, you know, finding some help for our relationships. SOS also stands for Song of Solomon. And we're going to be going through the book of Song of Solomon over the next several weeks. This is a five-week series and we have one week break in the middle because we have a dream weekend coming up where we're going to highlight what we do in Africa and we're going to be able to sponsor some children and really change their lives. That's going to be happening in a couple weeks. But I want to start it off with, with, with a couple rules, okay? Some groundwork, okay? We're doing a relationship series, so, so here's the thing. No elbows, okay? No, no elbows. <laughs> you know, don't, did you hear that? He's talking to you. You know, or like, and, and I, if I say something that, that maybe the Holy Spirit might be, might be teaching uh, women a little bit, men, do not say amen, okay? <laughs> that will be the last thing you say for a very long time until you say, I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> so just here, here really, really uh, jokes aside, the ground rules are listen for yourself. Because a lot of times we'll hear a message, we'll, we'll hear something and we start thinking of who else needs to hear it. Most of the time, if we're in a relationship that is challenging, we think this person needs to be hearing it. But let me tell you something. God's got you here. Yeah. 
God's got you in this environment and you're hearing this word, so listen for yourself. The other thing that I wanna encourage you and challenge you and make it a ground rule for this series is don't engage the word of God through this time looking back. Because some of y'all had some some really bad relationships. Some of y'all have some things in your past that you really regret and there's, there's, there's things that are hurtful and you carry emotional wounds and scars and I don't want you to go through this series on doing relationships God's way looking back in the rearview mirror. I want you looking forward because that's the thing God can do in our life. God's always doing a new thing. God can bring streams in the middle of the desert. God can speak life where there is death. God can breathe and dry bones come to life and form an army. And I want you to think through this series that way, looking forward. God, show me who I am to become in this. Show me the relationships that you want me to build around me and invest in. And let's do it looking forward, okay? Good with that? Awesome. All right, the other thing I want to say, just a little disclaimer. This is graphic material. Yes, it's the word of God, but it is graphic material. So, so I've rated this PG-13. Um, now, today, we're not going to get into a lot of that, but in three weeks, uh, we're, we're going to talk about godly sex. And I would highly recommend, if you have anyone, under the thir- anyone in your family under 13, you might want to let them go to in, in our youth or student or children's ministries, um, or if you're watching online, you might want to let them go do something else for that, that, that teaching. Um, uh, or if you want to have that conversation now, go for it, man. I will be glad to help that, to open that door for you to have the talk. But uh, we're going we're gonna to get into some, some, some really, uh, <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> But I'm glad, see, I'm glad that the Bible speaks about sex and relationships because we need to be informed through the Bible, not, not let society, not let the web's, web inform us on sexuality, not let popular opinion or societal flows inform us on our sexuality. We need to let the word of God inform us on these things and inform us on these relationships, all right? And so we're, we're, we're going to get in. We're going to go through some difficult material, but I believe God's going to bless some things out of this. So here we go. Song of Song, Song of Solomon. It's also called Song of Songs. It was written by Solomon. And uh, this one made it in the Bible because he said, this is the Song of Songs. Solomon wrote a thousand five songs. This is the one that he's like, that's the one. That's the song. I mean, when you watch, when you watch kind of behind the music shows, there's all the bands and there, there's always one song for the band, right? For the one hit wonders, that was it, right? But, but, but there's always a song. If you think of, a, if I were to start shouting out band names, you automatically go to the song, right? That's what happens in scripture. With Song of Solomon, this is the song and describes human love and human love God's way because God's way is better. So we're going to look at this over five weeks, um, kind of look at how Solomon and this woman met, how they met, how they dated, um, then they, uh, how, they, uh, how they had the honeymoon, and then how they fought and how they finished. And I want to just say going into this series that, that I couldn't do this without the study help of Tommy Nelson. If you know Tommy Nelson um, did a study decades ago where he took the Song of Solomon and broke it down. And, and it's just an incredible, incredible study. We actually have, have in our pipeline to start a, a couple study at the end of this series, which will take you through several weeks of that study through, through online media platforms. And, and that study, let, let me tell you something. Heather and I listened to the cassette tapes <laughs> of that study for our premarital counseling. And uh, that's where we learned how to fight, you know. <laughs> But uh, so we're going to go through it. Let me, let me just kind of give some, some, some kind of intro stuff. So you're going to see some characters in this song or in this, in this book. 
Uh, you're going to see uh, the word lover or he is what, what it will say. That's Solomon. So that, 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 is, that is the dude, right? And then you'll see she, or you may, may see her reference as beloved. Um, she would be the Shulamite maiden that Solomon is in love with, and she's in love with Solomon. You will also see others. So depending on what, what text you have, um, it might have a heading before a, a, a few verses that will say others. Those are friends. They're referred to as the daughters of Jerusalem. So that's kind of the chorus. So you've got, you've got Solomon speaking, you've got the Shulamite woman speaking, and you've got the daughters of Jerusalem or the others that are speaking. And so let's, let's just dive into this, and here we go. Um, starts out to give us the theme of the book. The, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of the mouth. See, we just get right into it. <laughs> Some of y'all dudes are like, yeah. Baby, we're going to be at church for the next five weeks. Uh, For your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, the virgins love you. The whole theme of this is for your love. The way you love the way, you, the way you work in this. You know, she's saying, she's saying the way you love is better than wine. Your anointing was a fragrant. It's almost like the, you, Solomon, you know how to treat people. That when you walk in a room, you bring life into the room. That, that people notice how you love. And she says, no, no wonder the virgins love you. No wonder the, the ladies are like, hey, I like what he's got. I wish I had that kind of man coming after me. I wish I had that man and the foundation he stands on pursuing me because I want that. Because he knows how to treat someone. He knows how to treat a lady. And then we'll go on. And she says, draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his, his chambers. And so she's like, I, I, I'm coming in. He's, he's picking me. And, and, and this relationship is here. And then, and then she, she begins this, or the others jump in. We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. Of course they love you. Because when you have your life on a godly foundation and people see that and they know that you know how to treat people well, that's, that's attractive, I mean, that, 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 that gets into the, this true attraction. And then she begins to speak. She says, I'm very dark but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I've not kept. So, so she's describing herself that the someone who's worked out in the sun and that, that the sun has taken its effect on her skin. She's like, don't, don't, don't look upon me because the sun is, it's damaged me. And I've, I had to go out and take care. My, my stepbrothers hated me and they made me go tend to the vineyard. They made me go take care of the land and the property. And I had to work outside in the sun and its effects on me, but, but I've neglected myself. So I've taken care of everybody else's property, but I've neglected myself. So she says, don't, don't look upon me. Don't stare at me. Don't gaze at me. Focus on, on something else. And she's speaking of attraction, and, and, and m- many of us, most people are attracted to the wrong things. Yeah, yeah, we look at the outside. You know, I, mean, like, you know, I mean, when Heather first saw me, she goes, my goodness, I've never seen such a handsome, attractive man. And I'm like, baby, there's more to me than what you see, you know? It's the heart. 
You know, God looks upon the heart. I'm so grateful she looked upon the heart because I ain't much to look at. I'm like, this is what you got, baby. You know, it goes downhill from here. You know, gravity takes effect and all those things. And, and um, yeah, just so the outward beauty is not going to last. You know, and she's like, look, don't, don't stare. Don't gaze at the wrong things. So, so in this, this idea of attraction, um, we've got to move past the physical. We've got to focus on the right things. There are things beyond the body that are attractive. She goes on to say in verse seven, tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon, for why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? A a veiled woman on the side of the field would have been a prostitute. So she said, you, you, I, I watch you go out and you take your, your, your flocks out. You, you take them to graze and you shepherd your flock. And, and there's all these women on the sides of the fields that, would, that as the men would get weary and as the men would, would, would get, get they, they feel like I got some needs, then those women would be there ready for those men. And she goes, that's, that's not me. I'm not going to be like that. That's not what you're going to get with me. And this was so attractive to Solomon. Because he sees something deeper about the Shulamite maiden. That it, it, it's beyond beauty. It's, it's beyond something. And she's got some standards. And, and, and what he looks at and what he's attracted to, there's a, the first level, the most important level of attraction is spiritual attraction. She, he, she says, I'm not going to be like the veiled woman on the side of the field. Don't, don't look upon me because I've taken care of other people and other people's things and not myself. There's something attractive about, about her heart and that she's willing to serve and that, that she's, she's, she's putting a value on things other than the physical. Let me tell you something. The most attractive thing is when, when people see how you love and worship God. How you, how you operate spiritually, how you, how you move in that. And someone who has standards. And when I, when, when I think about things that make us spiritually attractive to the world around us and to other people and, and to, my, to my wife, to, for me to be spiritually attractive to Heather, there's a couple things for us to work on. The first one is, how do I love and worship God? I mean, she, she watches that. She sees that. That, that becomes attractive. And when people see us worship, listen, the respect goes up because they see that we, we've put our faith into something bigger than ourselves, that, that, that we, we, we can engage in the presence of God and that we love God and we worship God. And, and man, I just, it, just something about the presence of being in the, the, the place with other people where the Spirit of God is moving and it just draws me into worship. I mean, I believe we have incredible musicians and incredible vocalists and they create an incredible environment, but there's something about when we worship together, when all the saints are together, that just moves me and I can't sit still and worship. I can't just be like, oh yeah, here we go. Hey, I'm worshiping now. You know, and maybe that, maybe that is you, but take some steps. Here's some steps to grow, okay? Like when that starts moving, you might just start tapping your foot. I mean, because I'm telling you, you can't, you can't go into that, that, that bridge of the song we were doing and it's just going crazy and everybody, and you, you, I just, you start there. Yeah, you stepped into my, you know, yeah, feeling it. And it might move, you know, you might get moved, man. You might start getting the hands involved. You might clap or, or, or you, might, you, might raise, you might raise your hands in worship. Now, that might be a process, right? Now, let me, some steps like for worship, like you can start here, you know, like, like I'm carrying the TV, right? It's like this, you know, holding the baby, right? I'm worshiping. 
You know, you might progress from there. God might really get a hold of you like, man, the fish was this big. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. You get in there, and then, then you go all out. Touchdown. I mean, like, yes, touchdown. <laughs> That's Tim Hawkins' joke. That's not my own, so don't give me credit for that. Um, he's a lot funnier than I am, and so I love it. But, but I, I'm making a joke, but li- listen, when people see us worshiping, there's something attractive to that because it shows that I've got an anchor bigger than myself, that there's something stirring in my soul, and that's attractive when people see it. We, we started a process in January. I told you we're going to be working through everyone's stories. We want your story because every, every person has a story, and every story matters to God. And we've started at our staff level, and so we're, we've written our testimonies, and each week in our staff meeting, a different staff member shares their, their story. And this past week, one of our staff members, Ron Davis, shared his testimony. And, and, and man, it was beautiful because I learned things about him that I didn't know. But he, but he was telling us that, that, that when he and Kay were married, they, that, that she got saved before he did. And, and she would take the kids to church. He said that, that many weekends, she would take the kids and they would get on a bus and go to church because they only had one car and he didn't feel like going. But he said, Kay, the thing about Kay that drew me to the Lord was she never preached at me. He said, I saw my wife love God with all of her heart. And out of that, she began to love me with a, a, a love that, that, that was deeper than anything that I'd ever experienced. And he said, her love of God became so attractive to me. He said, that was the key for me finally surrendering my life because she showed me through her actions, not her words, the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. Listen, that becomes deeply attractive, is loving and worshiping God. The other, pursuing my God-given purpose. Every one of us are wired for purpose that God has given us. That in the kingdom, we have this role. We have this responsibility. And when we pursue that, when we start serving in it, there's just something about engaging and doing the work of God that becomes attractive to the world around us. Listen, we've had incredibly wonderful conversations with people in our community that don't know Jesus because they see the attractive people of the church serving God. That doesn't mean that, that we got a bunch of hot people look around. Don't get your pride up, right? Yeah. But they see people who love God and worship God and, and realize I have a purpose on this planet right now, and I'm going to pursue that. I mean, just today, hundreds of people come through to get food, and, and people from the creek are serving, and that's, that's a deep purpose. It's not about handing out food, guys. It's about showing the love of God to a community around us. I mean, that, that's why we structure our services and we ask you to, to, to ten, attend one, like worship in one and serve in one because there's a dynamic that happens in that. It becomes very attractive uh, spiritually. And, and, and listen, that's, that's why we do the things we do. That's why we do Journey Track, which, which starts, uh, I think our 101 starts this weekend. Uh, but we do Journey Track to help you en- engage in your God-given purpose. Listen, that this works well without you. I mean, if you want to continue to sit, we're going to love you. But listen, it works so much better when you get engaged in your God-given purpose. Because you find fulfillment that you thought you never had. Third is have godly standards. Draw some lines. I mean, it's a defining the relationship talk, right? 
I mean, define that. Set those standards based on the word of God, not based on your feelings or emotions because our feelings and emotions will move. You're gonna see that in this text. Don't draw your lines based on emotions. Draw them based on the word of God, the truth of God. And, and, and let me tell you something. If you're single and dating, I'm praying for you because it's a difficult thing. I couldn't imagine having to do that. But let me encourage you, set your standards now. Don't adjust your standards based on a guy. Don't adjust your standards based on a girl. Set your standards. Lock in on that. And listen, if you want to see, see where they really are, bring them to church. See how they worship. See how they love God. And draw those lines. Draw those hard lines now. And spiritual attractive, attractiveness is the most important thing. Let's get into the second area in verse 9. This is Solomon speaking. And he says, I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Now, 3,000 years ago at work to, to compare his, his, his woman to a horse. But the guys, don't write in your Valentine's Day card. Baby, you, wrote, you look like a horse. There's not enough counseling. Sorry. This, this was an extremely high compliment because Pharaoh's horses were priceless prizes, pure white, pure bread. No one else in Egypt could get these horses. They were the prized possessions. What he's saying is, is, honey, you are priceless to me. You are a prized possession. You are priceless. There is nothing that can compare to your worth. You are beautiful. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your, your neck with strings of jewels. Then the others sing and said, we will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. And, and, and then she chimes in and she says, while the king Solomon was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My, so what she's saying in there, because a lot of this is like, what is she really saying? She said, my king, when he was on his couch, my king would honor me in public. While he was sitting in the court in public, he would honor me. And that honor gave forth this beautiful fragrance that just, it just, it was, his words were like perfume. They, they did something, they stirred something in me. They did something. And then she says, my beloved to me is a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. Now, I, I don't know if Solomon knew what a sachet of myrrh was, but I know he's glad he was one. I mean, come on now. I cleared that joke through the staff and they said I could do it. <laughs> so, hey, Solomon's like, yeah, I'm glad I was. But th- this goes way beyond physical. This goes into emotional attraction. That there's a connection happening at an emotional level. I mean, listen, listen they're, they're, how they're speaking about each other emotionally. The way you talk about me in public stirs me. It, it, it does something in me. You're, Solomon, you're like a sachet of myrrh, which means you're always close to my heart, even apart. You're, we're, you're, you're with me. I, I feel an emotional connection to you. And listen, if you're married, it's vital that you feed the emotional health and stability and needs of each other. 
If you're single and you're, you're dating and you're, you're praying through that, then listen to me. It's time to start learning how to implement emotional health in your life for you to be emotionally healthy. Listen, another person will not complete you. Another person will not fix you emotionally. They won't deal with your emotional baggage. When you think someone else comes along and they can carry your emotional baggage for you, you've just put a weight on them and a yoke of slavery on them that they can't bear. And it will only be a matter of time till you realize they're not fulfilling you because they're not, they're not carrying your emotional needs and baggage like you want them to do. And they'll go, I can't carry this and I'm gone. And sadly, that happens, that reality happens after the marriage, after the marriage. That, that, that we go into a marriage thinking, you complete me. Listen, that's a lie. In a marriage, it's not, it's not you know, one and one equals one. It, it is, I have to be whole and complete entering this relationship you have to be whole and complete entering this relationship. It's the two halves, they don't make a whole. It's two holes that make one marriage. Two complete coming into it. And, and emotionally, we carry incredible emotional baggage. And listen, and people say, well, well, well women are emotional, men are not. That's not truth. Men are emotional. And we have emotional needs. They just get met in different ways. As a matter of fact, you, you, you have to break it down that every person on the face of the planet has emotional needs, but they may need to, get be, they may need to be met differently. We have to discover that in the context of relationship. I mean, a great tool for that is the five love languages. I mean, for me, words of affirmation are, 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 are a way that Heather communicates affection to me. In other words, words of affirmation are a way that she builds value in me. That she, we value them emotionally. I mean, I, I vacuumed today. Mm. And she noticed. To me, I'll go, give me something else to vacuum. You know, I unloaded the dishwasher this week and she noticed. That, that, that does something to me emotionally because my baby sees what I'm doing and I don't feel like, well, I'm just doing this. I'm just doing this. I'm just trying to make the house go or, you know, I go to work and, you know, I, you know, I'm tired, you know, dishes were piled up, so I'll do something nice. You know, no, she, she notices things and she speaks that into me. She speaks that value into me and that raises my value. That, 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 that just brings me honor. And, and it, listen, in your relationship, you may need to have a conversation to sit down and go, how can I add value to you? Because in our relationships, we're called to serve one another. How can I serve you so that you're valued? How do I, in a marriage relationship, we're to honor each other. Honor means to raise the value. How do I honor you and raise your value? You speak about that. You speak life into them. Watch your words. The book of James tells us how Great, a forest fire can be started with one spark. He says, that's like the tongue. 
Watch your words. Speak life over each other. Listen, that's the, every week I pray, how do I speak life over you? Because I messed up this week. I fell short. We all, you did too. We don't need to come into an environment where, I, where I, I remind you of your past and what you did wrong. What I want to do is speak life over you. And in the name of Jesus, he tells us who we can become. And listen, if you don't like what you're seeing in your relationship, look at what you're saying. Because you're speaking it in. People are hearing you talk. The way, she says, the way you talk about me in public, it stirs me. It, 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 it makes my heart leap. How do you speak about each other in public? How do you speak about each other in private? And you honor them. Listen, I'm just going to be honest with you here for a minute. If you don't speak life into them, somebody else will. The devil will make sure somebody's going to speak life into them. That he'll send, he'll send a, a woman along and she'll start speaking life like, man, I just, I respect you so much. Your accomplishments are just, you know, you're amazing. You're amazing. And most affairs don't start with lust. They start because there's an emotional vacuum in the home. Because he starts reconciling. I like hearing that. I like, I'd like to hear more of that. Tell me, you, you notice the things I'm doing and you, that builds a man up. Or, or somebody, listen, the devil makes sure a man comes along to say the three sexiest words to a woman. Tell me more. Because, oh, he listens to me. For the first time, somebody's listening to me. And listen, it starts at an emotional level way before it goes physical. Speak life into each other. Think good thoughts about them. So, so we, we, we speak out of our thoughts, right? So what do you think about each other? I mean, because the devil likes to get into that area too. You've got to take the thoughts captive. Listen, she's got her thoughts captive when she's laying there and she says, my beloved to me is a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. She wasn't thinking Solomon's late for dinner. I don't know where he's at. He's probably running around. I know he's up to no good. I know, I mean, I, uh, all, I bet he's with a veiled woman. He was on the side of the field. Last time I saw him, I brought him lunch. You, you know how the enemy gets in and starts creating a narrative that's absolutely not true. We've got to take those thoughts captive. And what we think about each other ends up becoming what we speak about each other it ends up becoming how we really feel about each other. And the devil wants to get in and cause division in that. Let's go on to the third thing. Um, verse 15. This is Solomon speaking. He says, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. He notices her beauty, and he starts with her eyes. Rabbis taught that the eyes were the, the revealed the soul. They were the window to the soul. So he's speaking. He's speaking to her like, I, I, you are beautiful, my beloved. 
You are incredibly gorgeous. Your eyes are like doves. What he's speaking to is, your soul is beautiful to me. He's noticing the beauty. He's like, man, he's like, he's like, you say you've been you've been darkened by the sun, but but I'm seeing I'm seeing beauty right now. I'm I like what I'm seeing. And baby, you are good looking. And I mean, he starts feeling it, right? I mean, he's like, uh-huh. And then verse 16, she starts speaking, behold, you're beautiful. Like, ditto, you know, right back at you. I got you, baby. You're beautiful, my love. Behold, you're beautiful. She says, truly delightful. Then she says something I got to do some explaining on. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar and our rafters are pine. She's saying the bed is ready. The couch is green. It's time, babe. I, I am feeling it. You have, I am there. Let's go. I mean, Barry White's playing in the background. I mean, it's, mm, come on. We're going to have fun this series, y'all. We are going to have fun when the word of God, you know. But she's like, I'm ready. But that thing that says the beams of our house are cedar and the rafters are pine, she's saying, but we've got to have a strong foundation. Our relationship has to be built on something that's stronger than we are. We've got to build it right because they got physical attraction. They are seeing each other and they are feeling it. They are ready. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on physical attraction because in three weeks we're going to really get into this. But she says this, I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. She went from don't gaze at me, I'm dark but lovely, now I'm a rose. Why? Because he is he has built identity in her. You're beautiful. She says, I'm a rose. And they, 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 they kept it in order, see? But it's going to start to get out of order. I mean, I mean just, just watch this. Go down to verse 5. She says, sustain me with raisins. That's nasty. <laughs> if you don't know me, I hate raisins. I read this and I was like, baby, if you said that, I'd be gone. You got the wrong man. What, what she say? They believed in this day that raisins were an aphrodisiac. So she's saying, come out like, like oysters, you know, like bring on oysters. You know, when I was, when I was a teenager, I had a youth pastor, like you, you, you're taking a girl on a date. She good, she a Christian girl, you know, he'd say, you know, yeah, we, yeah, she goes to church, she goes to church and everything. He goes, take her to get Italian food. He said, because Italian food, man, girls like Italian food. He said, you'll definitely get a kiss. So I'm, baby, let's go to Italian food, you know? That's what she's saying, like, bring on the raisins. She's like, I'm there. She says, you know, refresh me and sustain me with apples, for I'm sick with love. Like, I am ready to roll, baby. And then he steps in. His, his left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. That's the make-out position. I mean, he's like, okay, baby, I'm, re- I'm ready. You ready? We ready? Let's go. But she says this, I adjure you, daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Listen, they were ready, but it wasn't the right time. Listen, God created sex. He created passion, and it's beautiful. And a lot of times we feel convicted, like I'm physically attracted or, you know, the sexual attraction. God created that. The enemy is the one who perverts it. 
I mean, God created sex. I mean, he didn't, he, 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 he placed Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, be fruitful and multiply. And God just said, oh, no, not that way. I mean, God created it, and it's beautiful in the right place. Out of place, it's extremely destructive. And what the chorus and the daughters of Jerusalem, they're, and everything that's coming together is like, hey, we started to get things out of order. Let's, let, let, we got to put the brakes on here. Look, I, I'm spiritually attracted to you. I'm emotionally, and I'm physically attracted, and I'm ready to go. But don't stir it up. Don't awaken it until it's time. What God is saying is get it in the right order because it can be extremely destructive. Look, maybe you're feeling out of place. Maybe you're looking at me and go, yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, you, know, you and Heather have this great marriage. We, we do, we have a great marriage, but it's not perfect. None of us have a perfect marriage. None of us have perfect relationships. And you may think, well, you don't know my past. No, no, but I know what your future can be. And I, I just want to challenge you with this. I want you to look at love between you and God. Start there. Because God does something beautiful. Listen, I was a mess. I mean, I was, there was nothing lovely about me. But yet God looks at me and he sees something. He, he could have walked away, but he didn't walk away. Listen, God stayed. God locked in. God saw something here. He fully loved me to change. And what God saw in me is not just the brokenness, but what I could become. That this, this wretch of a sinner through, through this declaration of faith and, and trusting Jesus as my Lord and Savior, now I can become the righteousness of God. And that begins to inform my marriage. That begins to be the foundation that my marriage is on because a God so loved me in my brokenness and in my state and he didn't walk away. And Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. There's nothing you can do that will separate you from my love. That's the foundation that I, I get to step on in this relationship with God. And yes, our relationships are gonna be impossible without God. We love because he first loved us. And he saw in us. L listen, we, we come to love not by finding the perfect person, but by seeing the imperfect person perfectly. That's exactly what Jesus does for us. He sees our imperfection, he sees our brokenness but he sees it perfectly because it's his love that is perfect that washes over us. Listen, God saw me not, not as I was, but who I could be. And I just want to encourage you before we really go down this study more in Solomon and the Song of Solomon, I want to invite you to let God do a work in you. Receive his love so that he can begin to change you from the inside out. Listen, when God works in you, relationships out here will work. But it starts here. God, we focus on you right now. We focus on doing relationships your way. 
And God, your love is, is perfect. Your love is complete. Your love is full. Your love is unconditional. And your love is what is drawing us to you. That I thank you that you look at us with affection, that you look at us with, 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 with perfect love. And we take a step towards you today, God. Maybe for the first time, someone's taken a step to become a Christian. Or maybe to take just that step closer to you. And say, I'm in a relationship with you, Jesus, but I I, I want the fullness. I want to take a step closer into you so that you center my life, that you focus my life on the relationship with you and help me to begin to see my relationships with your eyes. Just where you're at, I'm going to ask you in the, in the quietness of your space to just invite him in. Just say, Jesus, I invite you in. I invite you in to save me. I invite you in to let your love wash me and change me. Thank you for not seeing me as I was. Thank you, Jesus, that you see me in who I can become. And I invite you in so that I can become the righteousness of God, that I can become your child, that I can become fully, perfectly loved. God, as we move through this series, I pray that you give us a tenderness and a grace to receive from you so that our relationships in you will work. I pray through this series that there's healing in marriages reconciliation at a a spiritual level, emotional connection, and a refiring of the physical attractions. That you, God, are the author of love and are love and are at work in us for your glory and your great name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at